Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenikin. First off, we just want to give a shout out to Tristan because he's awesome and we love you. Right. He's a big supporter of the show and he's a big presence on our Facebook group, in our Facebook group. And so. he always makes me laugh. Yeah. He's hilarious. Yeah. So, hey, Tristan. Hey, Tristan. <laughs> Special shout out. <laughs> and also a shout out to our friend, Chad. Yes. What's up, Chad? Chad has been a longtime supporter. Yeah, since and the beginning. He recently got a new job, and the first thing he did was up his Patreon. <laughs> we love that. Congrats on the job, Chad. Yeah. You're hilarious, and we love you, too. Yeah. We love all our listeners. We do. We were just talking about that, how like, we just have such nice listeners, and we get a lot of really great posts on our Facebook page and it's and really yeah Patreon too they leave us messages yeah so yeah and we get your emails and we try to respond to everything yeah I think so drop us yeah a line. drop us a line so only he- if it's nice though <laughs> <laughs> so here is our list of Patreon supporters for this past week thank you guys very much for supporting the show on Patreon this week we had Tracy Amanda Renee, Allison, Lee, Rebecca, Jessica, Sonia, Iris, Ross, Hannah, Acacia, Rena, someone named the Impish Artist. Mm. That's cute. <laughs> Heather, Alicia, and Shannon, and Jennifer. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and thanks, Heather, for the message you left us on Patreon. That's really sweet. Really sweet. Um, And if you want to join Patreon, there is bonus content. I think we have like 100 episodes of bonus content now. Right. So you can go to patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Yeah. Is that right, Rachel? That's right. (laughs) Great, great. Or join us on our Facebook group too. Hollywood Crime Scene Friends. Mm -hmm. So what do we got today, Rachel? Well, there's been a lot of talk lately about free speech. Uh (laughs) And... (laughs) Mm-hmm. And what free speech means. And there's been a lot of, I think, you'd be surprised how many people don't actually know what free speech means. Right. In terms of, uh, you know, the Constitution. And hey, what you- I want to say whatever I want and not face any consequences, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Is that free speech? <laughs> no. This does tie into the episode, by the way, Mm -hmm. because this episode, essentially, uh, this will be a two-part episode. This is a a lot about free speech. We're going to be talking about that a lot and what that really means. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know what free speech means in this country, uh, you have the right to say whatever you want as long as you're not threatening another person, uh, and and you will not be persecuted by the government. You will not be arrested. That, that is what your free speech grants you. Uh, you are not, however, exempt from criticism for your free speech. <laughs> or consequences. Or consequences. Yeah. Say if you walked into your place of work and you started uh, shouting rude things, your boss would probably fire you. Yeah. So that let's just clear that up. So without further ado, would you agree, Desi? Do you have anything I do else? agree. I don't have anything else to add. Okay. <laughs> Not yet. Suffice to say, it's it's been a uh, topic of debate in certain circles of the internet lately. Yes. So uh, mm-hmm. that's all we're going to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> so uh, this week, for the next two weeks, we will be talking about Larry Flint. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love and, him. Uh, I... I'm riveted by the story of Larry Flint. I have been for quite some time. 
Uh, I've seen The People versus Larry Flint uh, a handful of times. Great movie. It's a really great movie. It stars Woody Harrelson as Larry Flint, and it stars Courtney Love as his life partner and wife, Althea. She's fantastic in the movie. I love her. Yeah. So if you haven't seen The People versus Larry Flint, you should definitely check it out. It yeah. was nominated for... I, uh, Woody Harrelson was nominated for Best Actor. Right. It's a great movie. It it's is very a, good. It is a great movie. So, fortunately, Larry has written books about his life, and the book that I primary research for this case is called An Unseemly Man, Ooh. My Life as a Pornographer, Pundit, and Social Outcast by Larry Flint. Good title. Now, for those of you who don't know who Larry Flint is, Desi, do you just want to explain briefly what he does? Who like? Well, he founded Hustler magazine. Yes. So, I mean, I like Hustler is my favorite porn mag. Same. <laughs> it's like, come on, it's great. I, it's not that I buy porn mags, but if I had to pick like which one was me in a quiz, I would hope that I got Hustler. Same. <laughs> like in a BuzzFeed quiz, like which porn mag are you? I would be sad if I got like Playboy. I would too. I would want Hustler. Maybe we. I don't. Know. <laughs> you know what? We is the magazine that you say to people to impress them, but deep down you're a hustler girl, Desi. Right. But we is kind of hustlery. Is it? But it has a we. The it has the fancy French name, but it's kind of hustlery. It's like. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, <laughs> let's just start from the beginning. <laughs> I'm just like been so giddy to do this episode, and like the stuff that's coming in part two is like absolutely out of control so yeah I'm, I'm excited Larry Flint was born November 1st 1942 in Lakeville Kentucky when Larry was growing up in Lakeville it was very rural and a very insulated community Maffigan County which is where Lakeville is was home to just 500 people and according to Larry they didn't even have paved roads until the 50s when Larry was nine he claims that he had sex with a chicken <laughs> Now, the other day, as I was reading this book, I was texting with my friend Ben, and I was telling him what our episode was going to be for next week, and he's like, oh, Larry Flint, like, any weird stuff you've learned, any interesting stuff you've learned that you didn't know before? And I said, yeah, he had sex with a chicken when he was nine. And Ben was like, keep fucking that chicken. <laughs> Do you know about Keep Fucking That Chicken? No. Oh, Desi. Okay. One of my favorite things in the world is news anchors fucking up. Yeah. So there's this news anchor. He's a local famous New York news anchor. Hold on. I need to find his name. It's like Ernesto something. Ernesto Anastos. But there was a viral video of Ernesto that went around in 2009 uh, basically, it was like following the meteorologist Nick Gregory's weather forecast, and f for some reason, uh, Ernesto decides to make like a joke. He's, he goes, it takes a tough man to make a tender forecast, Nick. Keep fucking that chicken. <laughs> what does that even mean? Is that how you tenderize chicken? I'm sorry. That's not how I've done it in the past. I'll use like a little mallet or something to tenderize my chicken. But I guess you could do it when they're still alive. You could pound it with your dick, put it right on the Is that, counter. I have a feeling we'd all be horrified if we realized how many men have fucked animals, quite honestly. like It's honestly something I try to put out of my mind. And yeah. Whenever like, I feel like in those rural areas, it happens a lot. Ugh, I, I just thinking feel about I, I feel like it's very it. common. Like, and I've I've seen stories come out like this where people are like, "Oh yeah, we all fuck pigs." But why did this New York City liberal elite say keep fucking that chicken? Well, you know what? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> they do have chickens not, in no, cities now. <laughs> I'm saying that that's not a that's not a saying. Keep fucking that chicken. What if he grew up thinking that's a saying? I mean, that's kind of like how I found out about things in my life being not normal. Like, I just say something at a party one time as if everyone's going to relate, and everyone's like, that's horrible. You were abused. <laughs> like, right. Maybe he just said it. Like, he grew up saying that. Maybe his dad fucked a chicken. I have no idea. I have no idea. There wasn't more uh, to be said. He well, never explained Well, he did his... have to apologize. He was like, right. I'm sorry. I said something. It slipped out. 
And it's not from a song. Like, I don't remember any songs about that. Keep fucking that chicken. Yeah, like a a little aside. It's great because the way he says it, it's like with such confidence. Right. And the other thing he did was two years prior, the same newscaster, he, instead of directing the viewers to myfoxny.com, he directed them to myfoxny.com. (laughs) Okay, so this guy's up to something. (laughs) Like, I mean, is it possible the weatherman had fucked a chicken and told him? I don't know. Oh, and he was like... Keep uh, fucking that chicken. Trying to get him on the air? Yeah, like it was like a little inside joke, maybe? I don't know. Right. I mean, that sounds horrible to fuck a chicken. I imagine it's like you'd probably get your uh, legs clawed up, because they have sharp claws. They do. (laughs) Like... I mean, I'm not thinking they... I don't think they enjoy it. Well, he described it as he put it in the egg sack. (laughs) That's what he said. He said, I put it in the egg sack. What does that mean? I don't know. That's horrible. That sounds like something like a bad man would call women. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so right. Okay, but Larry said he felt really bad about this. Okay. And he said he never touched an animal again and that it was purely because he was a hillbilly. Yeah. And it I was, mean, I believe it. And, like, some boy told him to do it. You know what? I buy, I buy it. Yeah. I buy his story. Look, Larry got enough pussy in his life that he didn't Can have to fuck chickens. Can you even imagine that thought process that you goes through your mind when you're about to stick your dick in a chicken? Like, how... How? I, I, I don't How do know. you not stop yourself? My brain doesn't work like that, no, does he? No, me either. Look, we've, I'm sure, you know what? I'm wondering now how many guys, though, have stuck their dicks in raw chicken before. Oh, I think that's probably very high. That's probably very high, Ooh. and they're not willing to admit it. That's how I got salmonella. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there was nothing to do in this small town, clearly. Right. Right? So this was also a dry town, Meaning that alcohol was not allowed in this town. You could not get alcohol there. So there was a lot of bootlegging going around. And Larry said that pretty much everyone was an alcoholic. Right. Like, there was nothing to do except drink, apparently fuck chickens. (laughs) Well, we all know prohibition works. Right. (laughs) Prohibition clearly works. And there was, like, this town was so rural that there was one store in town, and it was the general store downtown. Right. That was it. Larry had a younger brother named Jimmy and a younger sister named Judy. Judy died in 1951 of leukemia. And at age 11, when Larry's parents separated, he moved to Indiana with his mom, and his brother Jimmy moved in with his grandmother. But Larry was not happy there, so he convinced his mom to let him move back to Kentucky to stay with his aunt. Now, Larry was not interested at all in going to school. He just wanted to get out there and make a life for himself already. He had ambitions of, like, getting into the workforce, even at such a young age. In 1958, Larry entered the Army, and he was only 15 years old when he did this, but he was able to convince his mom to sign a consent form for him to enlist early, even though they were only taking early enlistees Right. That were 17. Yeah. Not as young as 15. Like, that was... But his mom, they fudged his birth certificate, basically. So Larry's mom was just happy that he would be in the army instead of running away like he had been doing at that point. While Larry was in the army, him and the guys in his platoon went out on a pass one night. And they went to a brothel, which Larry described was really more like a seedy motel where the bellhop would send a girl to your room... And Larry was a virgin. And the woman that came up to Larry's room was much older than he was, about 40. And she walks in there, and she's like, is this your first time? And he was like, no. I fucked a chicken, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever, kid. Right. And they had sex. And that's how he lost his virginity. So Larry was discharged just seven months after he joined the Army, and he moved back in with his mom, who was in Dayton, Ohio at the time. Going back to school didn't seem like an option for Larry at this point. He'd already felt like he was an adult. Right. He had had this big adult experience being in the Army. He worked some jobs here and there, like as a dishwasher. He also worked at a mattress store for a while. But he wanted a better job opportunity, something more adult. So he saw that the Inland Manufacturing Company was hiring. Now, this company is a division of GM. 
So he got to the employment office and he saw this long ass line outside and he's like, I'm not waiting in that. Right. I want to get this job. So he goes to like a payphone. He makes a call. Did they have payphones then? Whatever. He gets on, right. he gets on the horn. Yeah. He makes a phone. They had horns, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> he, get, he makes a call to the company and he says, hi, I just want to know the name of the director of the company. And they tell him the name of the director of the company. He's like, okay, thanks. Bye. So then Larry goes back to the employment office. He marches to the front of the line and he says, uh, Hey, I'm here for work, and so and so, director's name of the company, hired me. And they said, Oh, okay, uh, let's just find your application and get you started. And of course, his application wasn't there, but they seemed like who would lie about this? Right. That he knows the name of the director of the company. Right. So they wow. assumed, Oh, it just got lost. Okay, fill out a new one, and they sent him right to work. Cool. Yeah. So. Soon after, Larry was laid off, and at this time, he decided he wanted to be his own boss and to really make some real money. So he moved in with his alcoholic father and got into the bootlegging business. Larry recruited his friend from high school to get alcohol from the next county over to distribute in his dry county. And by that time, and by the time that the sheriff was hip to Larry's operation, he skipped town and went back to Dayton. In 1960, Larry enlisted in the Navy, and in 1961, he briefly married a woman named Mary. He married a lot of women. Oh, okay. He's had a lot of wives before. He loves monogamy. No, he does not. That, <laughs> that, that, those, no, he does not love We will get to that. He does not love monogamy. While he was back in Dayton, uh, so they, got, they were briefly married. They right. were like married, divorced. So at some time that he was back in Dayton, Ohio he started dating a girl named Peggy. He Then he went back on leave with the Navy for over a year, and when he returned to his girlfriend, Peggy, she was seven months pregnant. Whoops. And he's like, hey, that doesn't add up. Right. I was gone for 13 months. He's no fool. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, obviously it was another guy's, but they still decided to get married, and it was not a good marriage. Peggy was unfaithful to Larry, and he said that he would sometimes literally have to chase sailors out of his house. Wow. You know, he was, he was like, the only semen I want in this house is mine. <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing what he might have said. Yes. That's what I, if someone like Larry Flint, I assume that there was and a semen And he looked in joke. the camera and winked when he said it. <laughs> but Peggy and Larry were soon pregnant, and in 1965, his first child was born, a daughter named Tanya. <laughs> that same year, Larry bought the Kiwi Bar from his mother. And this is a quote from Larry's book. My 22-year-old reasoning went something like this. I love women and I love sex. Who gets laid the most without having to make a long-term commitment? Bartenders, entertainers, and club owners. They don't have to be the most handsome or articulate. They're just around women all the time. They have the most opportunity. And so the prospect of sex and money the, in combination with a low purchase price got me into the bar business. Larry's dick has drove him to make a lot of decisions <laughs> in his life. I mean, it seems pretty, like, good ones. He, like, the rare good dick decisions. He's made a lot of decisions with his dick that ended up in his favor. Yeah. They didn't end up in... He has a good ratio. Right. <laughs> it didn't end up in total catastrophe. Yeah. Like some people. Right. Okay. So Larry's vision of the bar was to keep it a working class hangout. He wanted to honor his roots. So he renamed the bar Hillbilly Haven. <laughs> I think it's such a great name. It's personally. really good. Like Larry, one thing about Larry is that he is proud of his hillbilly roots. He's proud yeah. of being like at the end of the day, like he started out as someone who lived in total poverty. He appreciates the working man. Right. He's like, he, he cares about the working class people and he wanted a place that wasn't pretentious, that working class people could hang out. Right. And it wasn't frou-frou and expensive. And so this was the hillbilly haven. That's what I've always liked about Larry Flint. Like he owned who he was. Yeah. He's and like, it doesn't yeah, really trash. matter. It's like even more impressive when you rise from trash. <laughs> like, I mean, Larry, like, you know, there was, there was that 
I feel like every few months there's that Forbes article that's fucking over a year old that goes around that's like Kylie Jenner is you know self self made billionaire. It's like and everyone's all like she's not self made and it's like yeah we know she's not self made. Larry Flint is truly self made. Right. He may not be a billionaire, but he is a self made, very rich man. Yeah. So. This bar, Hillbilly Haven, was real country. Larry set up a back patio area with horseshoe stakes so the patrons could play horseshoe. And you know if your place has horseshoe in it, it's yeah. it's a country bar. Yeah. And I peanuts on the floor. Peanut That's shells. Peanut, peanut shells. shells. Not That's peanuts. real country. Peanut shells and hay. <laughs> Even if you're not near a barn, there's like hay. Yeah. I'm just guessing. Mm-hmm. I'm from California. What do I know? You got to keep that floor dry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helps with the puke. Yeah, it's like right. Sawdust, you know. Yeah. You just. I'm sure people were pissing in that bar. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, these bars were pretty wild too, yeah. actually. And I'm just about to get into that. Okay. So this establishment was popping, like it was popular. And although business was booming and Larry was making money, the bar definitely attracted a lot of macho men who liked to get drunk and fight. And Larry said he broke up two to three fights a week at the bar. Wow. Like, where he would have to even get involved yeah. or pull out a gun and be like, get the hell out of here, you know? And yeah. he got punched a bunch of times. Not and- at Hellbilly Haven. <laughs> you take that somewhere else. You take that to the Ramada. Larry made enough money that he was able to buy a second bar on the other side of town. And he named it an arguably even greater name, Larry's Hangover Tavern. <laughs> Here's the thing about Larry Flint. He is a funny guy. Yeah, he's really funny. He has a good sense of humor. And he, like Desi and I talk about all the time, like in terms of like what's funny and what's not and what kind of people are funny. It's like I always find it amusing when people are able to be like brutally honest about themselves and about who they are without sugarcoating it and trying to make themselves look. It's the greatest safety net you can give yourself. Because no one can take you down. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. And people always try to go after me on Twitter or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, you literally can't take me down because I don't fucking care. <laughs> like, I've, I'll make fun of myself way more brutally because I know myself. Like, well, it's like when someone calls me a hoe or a slut. It's like, okay. It's what such else a tired. It's such a tired. Like men always try to go after looks or or like being a slut. And it's like, first of all, I talk about how I'm a slut literally twenty four seven. I'm objectively not ugly. Like, right. It doesn't bother me at all if you think I'm ugly because you are like you look like a hot dog with a baseball hat on. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's just like so sad to me. It's like right. you, it's like it's not the 1950s. You can't go after girls for being sluts and ugly. Like we have self esteem now. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I mean, it's insane to me. And a lot of us like sluts. A lot of us are like... I w- I've never been offended by that tag. No, like, no. It's so stupid. No. Okay. At this point, Larry was working around the clock and taking amphetamines to keep up. Uh-oh. Black beauties, because it was, the, Ooh, it was yeah. the 70s or the late 60s. We used to have such better pill names. I know. <laughs> it's like hardly glamorous anymore. <laughs> you want those old names. The from black the, the beauties. <laughs> Mommy's so, little helper. <laughs> <laughs> so then Larry opened up a third bar called The Factory, and this place served food. Mm. I imagine all the food was served in, like, one of those red plastic baskets. Right, with, like, the paper right. to the, catch the grease. Right. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Look, I'm hungry thinking about it. I could go for one of those flattened hamburgers right now, mm, honestly. With American cheese. <laughs> I love American cheese. I you can't love don't even it. get me started. It's so good on hamburgers. <laughs> it's the only cheese I want on a cheeseburger is American cheese, okay? It's so good. All right. Mm. The fourth establishment Larry opened was more upscale, and this place was called Whatever's Right. (laughs) He's really good at naming things. He's really good at branding. Holy shit. So this place featured attractive hostesses whose job it was to flirt and dance with the customers. Now, this was in 1968, and at this time, go-go dancers had just started to pop up in clubs in a few cities across the country, like L.A., New York, Phoenix, like... it was just a few places. So Larry knew that he needed to open up a bar in Dayton with his own go-go dancers. And this bar was called the Hustler Club. Nice. After Larry opened the club, he took out a loan to do some renovation. 
Well, the bank was being annoying to Larry about paying off his loan sooner than he had expected. So Larry pulled off what I think is one of the most legendary petty moves you can do to a bank. I'm excited. So he bought 20 wheelbarrows. Then he bought a ton of rolls of pennies. (laughs) Then he... And all these pennies were enough to pay off the loan. Right. Then he unwrapped the pennies, dumped them into the wheelbarrows, and then he had his go-go dancers parade through the town in costume, pushing the wheelbarrows to the bank, where they then proceeded to dump the pennies on the floor of the bank and say, here's the lo- here's the money for the loan. Oh, my God. Yeah. Those and must have been heavy wheelbarrows. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But, like, that sto- that little story is just, like, that is so classic Larry Flint. Right. Like, Larry Flint... Also, how old... He's, like, in his 20s still. He's still in his yeah. 20s. The thing that I like about Larry Flint is he's not a man who punches down. Right. Like, he... you We will see, like, he he's somebody who is famous for taking on the establishment and using his platform as when he would become a very wealthy man right to shake he never joined the club of like the rich and elite no yeah this ended up being a really good publicity stunt for the for the hustler club because it made the paper because like people took pictures of it and were like oh my god like the owner of the hustler club paid off his loan to the bank yeah and the bank laughed it off i mean they didn't think it was that funny but they were like "Uh Mm -hmm. we don't want to look like humorless bankers (laughs) (laughs) basically yeah. yeah Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. By the summer, Larry sold Hillbilly Haven and the Hangover Tavern so he could focus his energy on his more upscale businesses with the dancers. He also opened up a new establishment called Talk of the Town. Ooh. And this is what Larry had to say about... Uh, the women who were working for him at his establishments. This is from his book. They wanted a woman, and if she was pretty, all the better. I carefully instructed my hostesses to pay special attention to the guy who was getting a little older and fatter, the one who smelled of cigar smoke. No girl would look twice at him in another club. This kind of guy had money, maybe maybe even an expense account. I told the girls that when talking to a customer, they must never complain and absolutely never nag. These guys got enough at home. Chances were they had a wife who dressed sloppily, had bad manners, and had a stinky pussy. What? How dare he? I was blunt. I was blunt as that. It worked. <laughs> what an stinky asshole. Stinky pussy. I would march in there in my sweatpants. <laughs> Smell this. <laughs> so... I just love that he put that in his autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you gotta love him. <laughs> Look, I may not agree with everything Larry Flint, but overall... That's who he is, though. That's what's so great about him, I think. I was, like, kind of going on this, like, uh, pro-Larry Flint speech to Brendan, like, this pa- this whole week. I was like, and did you know this about Larry? Yeah. And did you know that, that about Larry? Because I've always really liked him, for better yes. or for worse. Like, overall, I think he's, like, a net positive. Right. In terms of, like, right. fighting for stuff. and Absolutely. And just who he is. I just enjoy him. Right. So... Between 1968 and 1971, Larry opened up hustler clubs all throughout Ohio. And in 1971, Larry met Althea Leisure. That's her last name? Yes. That is a hot fucking name. Oh, it's totally hot. (laughs) Totally. She was dancing at his bar, and he was like, hey, she looks a little young. So he was like... She's like, I got my mom to sign a form. (laughs) She did the same trick he did. Well, kind of. We'll get there. <laughs> so she had to go into his office because he was going to fire her, basically. <sighs> and he was like, how old are you? And she said, oh, I'm 19. He's like, bullshit. So she gives him 
her ID. And he's like, yeah, this is fake bullshit. And she's like, well, I'm almost 18. I'm like 17 and a half. And he was skeptical about keeping her on, but they got to know each other. And she told him uh, her whole story. And, and we'll get into that right now. Okay. So Althea was born in 1953 in Marietta, Ohio, and she had a pretty rough life. When she was just nine years old, her father shot and killed her mother, her mom's friend, her grandmother, and then he killed himself. Wow. So that's... He killed everyone in her life. All like in one day? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. So she went on to live in children's homes that were run by nuns who sexually abused her. Whoa. So like her whole family gets murdered by at the hands of her father, and then she's going into these like even more abusive situations. Mm -hmm. Althea ended up getting out of that children's home, and she stayed with her aunt for a while in Florida, but that was not a very good relationship. What? Desi knows Florida. Look, I know ants in Florida. (laughs) Desi knows all about bad living situations in Florida. So then she went back to another abusive group home situation. Then she got out of that. She lived with her boyfriend for a while. And then at 16... She was put into juvenile hall. Wow. So, because she had been doing drugs and stuff. And, right. And she was this teenage runaway. She then, when she got out, she lived with her sister for a while after that. And finally, a judge allowed her to become an emancipated minor. Okay. Which is good yeah, for her. So definitely. she was able to set herself up, get her own apartment and stuff. Right. So Larry let her stay working at the club. He really liked and respected Althea a lot. Eventually, she would be put in charge of managing the girls at his Columbus Club. When Larry saw what a good job that she did managing the girls at the Columbus Club, he promoted her to senior den mother of all of his clubs. So she was in charge of all the women. After that, she would then be put in charge entirely of Larry's club, whatever's right. So she wasn't only the manager of the women at this club. She she, managed the establishment. She managed the whole establishment. She really had a knack for business. Okay. And she was a very like sharp woman Mm -hmm. she 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 had really good instincts like good business instincts and 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 she was a lot of fun to be around and larry really liked her a lot so larry fell in love with althea and they formed a real relationship with each other they were best friends and business partners from the beginning he told her that he could not be sexually exclusive with her though and Uh she was like that's fine i don't want to be sexually exclusive with you either (laughs) althea is a bi icon Okay. She was openly bisexual, and she didn't even want to have sex with other men. She just wanted to have sex with women. Oh. Other women. Okay. I mean, she liked fucking So guys. when she cheated on him, or whatever you want to call it, I it was with women. Yeah. They, had an, they had, like, a polyamorous relationship. Right. But, like, they had an open, non-monogamous relationship. Right. So she was just fucking other women. Right. And for Larry, he's like, I've met my soulmate. Basically, like she wants to live the same lifestyle as I do. And she felt the same way about him. This guy wants to live the same way I want to live. Yeah. And we just go together. We get each other. Around 1972, Larry's clubs now offered memberships to customers. This entitled members to discounted drinks and a limo to escort them from their hotel to the club. Larry began sending out a newsletter to the members of his clubs. This was called the Hustler Newsletter. And it started out just four pages, black and white, with small little articles and pieces about the dancers at his clubs. And this ended up being a really popular newsletter. Like, people were like, how do I, you know, people who weren't even members of the club were like, I want a subscription to this. This, okay. is, this is great. The newsletter was so popular that it, it eventually expanded to up to 24 pages with two colors. So it wasn't just wow. black and white. It was like two colors. Larry also shortened the name of the newsletter to just Hustler. He wanted to expand this into a national men's magazine, but his publishing prospects were not looking good. The vice president of a New York distribution company called Cable News agreed to meet with him, but this guy was hesitant about Larry's magazine, so he referred him to a man named Ron Fenton who published a magazine called Gallery, and that magazine was described as the working man's Esquire. So... Ron Fenton was eager to collaborate with Larry, but he was mostly eager to collaborate with Larry because he was in need of a loan, and Larry had money to give him a loan. So he offered Larry a 10% stake in Gallery Magazine in exchange for $50,000, and Larry then became the co-publisher of Gallery. 
but this was a very short-lived endeavor. Gallery was shut down due to lack of funds from its distributor just months later. And at this point, Larry was in debt. But Ron Fenton wanted to start an all-new magazine with him. And so they did. Larry then bought some Playboys and some penthouses to scope out what was going on in men's magazines. And in the Playboys and penthouses, he saw these perfect-looking girls showing their breasts and their asses, and he was like, where's the pussy? (laughs) It's like, where's the beef? (laughs) The original, where's the beef? It's the original, where's the beef? Where's the pussy? Oh, my God. I love that that was his takeaway. (laughs) It was. The other thing that was his takeaway is he felt that penthouse and, and especially playboy were geared towards really like pretentious type of men right and sort of this like highfalutin the we read it for the articles type people yeah, yeah. and he thought that was bullshit he's like no one's reading it for the articles right. and you know the articles are good i guess but it's like they're just for this other they weren't in his class like they were for this higher upper crustier type of men that they were sort of selling their magazine to and he's like where's the article for the working man yeah you know i want something that working people will find interesting Mm -hmm. i don't need to know how to make a the pussy met with the vice president at Capital Distributing to pitch their magazine. And the vice president wanted to call the magazine Pleasure, but Larry was like absolutely not. And I'm and that I'm glad he said absolutely That's not. That's a creepy word. I hate that word. It, it is creepy. Pleasure. Pleasure. It's like no thank you. <laughs> so, Larry insisted on calling the magazine Hustler. He's like, I won't fucking do this if we don't call it Hustler. That's my brand. It's an amazing name. And it's a great name. Yeah. It's so much better. So the first issue of Hustler magazine came out in July of 1974. I provided you a, a picture of the cover. Would you like to describe Ooh. the cover? It's like a blonde woman looking in the mirror. So you see her boob in the mirror kind of. And then it's basically her ass crack and she's wearing like thigh or like thigh high stockings. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They look kind of knitted. Looks like she has a string of pearls around her butt. Yeah. So it's kind of (laughs) classy. I mean, it looks great. I love the colors. I do too. It's It's so 70s. Yeah. It's very 70s. It's very early 70s. Her hair looks feathered from the back. It it has wings, right? Yeah. It does. It has the wings. She's very blonde. Yeah. So, in this first issue, Larry's publisher's statement said this, anyone can be a playboy and have a penthouse, but it takes a man to be a hustler. (laughs) Shots fired. You're in a penthouse. You're not looking at pussy. (laughs) Larry employed Althea to be the executive editor of the magazine, and she oversaw all the content and approved it before it even got to Larry. And he trusted her with this because they knew each other both so well. Right. He trusted her to make these decisions, and she always nailed it. Yeah. She always knew exactly what he would like. And he liked that she was also coming from a woman's perspective. Right. She, he thought that that... And she was a woman who loved women. Like exactly. She was bisexual, so she knew it was hot to her, too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And at this time... It was very unusual to have a woman at such a high position at a men's magazine. And Larry liked that, that he was employing a woman in this position. This was, like, very unheard of at this time. After the release, Larry moved his offices to Columbus. The magazine was not a success initially. At first, Larry recruited models from his own clubs to pose in the magazine. But then he posted ads for models to come from across the country. He wanted the true girl next door looking models, mm-hmm. not Playboy's idea of the girl next door. Right. He didn't want real models. He wanted real girls. This is a quote from Larry's book. I wanted a sex magazine free of pretense and full of fantasy, fiction, satire, and biting humor. I wanted to offend everyone on an equal opportunity basis. The November 1974 issue was the first to explain feature an explicit pussy shot like spread uh-huh and from then on larry decided that his photos would just get progressively more explicit he's like we got to amp this up yeah we got to just fuck it. if we're gonna go there not just a delicate little opening up the lips with the fingers <laughs> yeah 
he was like, if we're going to go there, we're going to go there. Yeah. We're going to do the this. pinky up. The- Ooh, look, that's my pussy. <laughs> like they're drinking a spot of tea. Yeah. Look, it's, I'm a delicate woman. Just showing you my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> the February 1975 issue of Hustler was the first that several retailers refused to carry. They're like, this is too nasty. I can't carry this. Meanwhile, Larry had been failing to pay his taxes in an attempt to keep his magazine afloat. Like, he was just barely juggling this right. at this time because it was not successful at first. And But by June, Hustler magazine was finally making real money, and Larry paid off his taxes. And by the time the August 1975 issue came out, Larry was a millionaire. Whoa. And this is the content in the magazine that would essentially do that. So Larry was approached by a paparazzi photographer who was like, I just spent four months in Greece at the place where Jackie Onassis was staying (laughs) with my fucking camera, and I have nude photos of Jackie O. Oh. And Playboy wouldn't take them. Penthouse wouldn't take them. And Larry's like, I'll fucking take them. Because, <laughs> of course, yeah. Larry. So they printed the Jackie O nudes. And here's a, co- here's a picture of that magazine cover. Do you want to describe that for our listeners? But that's not Jackie O. <laughs> no, that's that not Jackie O. I'm just saying that that's the issue. I was like, wow, she was really going for it in Greece. <laughs> it's like a woman, she's like, in the fetal position almost. So it's just her ass and her panties are pulled down. Uh, but you can't see any frontal nudity. Uh, and it has that Jacqueline O'Kennedy Onassis. I was expecting the title to be Jackie O with an exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> that would have been good. No, it just says Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis nude in all caps. Right. It's like very exciting. And this issue sold out fast right like everyone was buying this issue well, it's like the maryland thing with playboy but even better in a way oh yeah she wasn't like a sex symbol jackie o like well she was and a, she was like a classy lady like right, right? she's this classy like upper crusty socialite socialite lady i mean a first lady too and she was literally we might a, forget because right now we have a first lady who's done tons of nudes but it used to be more rare <laughs> Everyone bought this issue. And it's like, I mean, I... Did you see the pictures of Jackie? I didn't see them. Is it pussy? Or just, uh, like, topless? She's, like, fully nude in them. Oh, okay. I, I didn't see them. I. You know she has a big black bush, though. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and it was 75, mm-hmm. so... I mean, she was a fashionable lady. Right. I expect she her. Trimmed. She trimmed. <laughs> <laughs> so... Even the governor of Ohio was caught buying a copy. Really? And this was like, the press had a field day with that. That the fact that the governor of Ohio was caught buying a hustler for Jackie O's nudes. So the press were after him, hounding him about this. Oh, I heard you bought this naughty magazine, Hustler. Uh Tell us about it. And he was like, "Uh, I did it for research. I'm a historian? No, he literally (laughs) said that. He did? He literally said that. He said that he the only reason he bought the magazine was because he had written historical novels before and that this oh, was for historical novels. He literally said he was like, uh, I've written for books about the first lady before. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is for my research. Yeah. And Larry Flint said in his book, I'm still looking for that book. Right. He's right. like, the book never came out. Where's the book? Look, he got writer's block. <laughs> Happens all the time. His eyes bug too far out of his head. When he's... <laughs> so, oh, he. Yeah, this is the quote from Larry's book. I'm sure those photos contributed greatly to his research. I'm still looking for that book. Hustler was selling so much that Larry needed a press that could produce a higher volume. The Dayton Press, Inc. agreed to distribute Hustler magazine, but the Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio, was not happy about that. Reverend Griffin of Dayton, uh, Reverend Griffin of Dayton, called the magazine "quote pornographic and lewd." Ooh, I feel like "lewd" is like a word that only really uptight people use. Right. If I hear "lewd," I'm like, oh, I need to see that. Right. I want to see what "lewd" is. Right. Yeah, it's true. But it's never that lewd. Yeah, for them, it's like, ooh. She said fuck. There's a nipple heart under a t-shirt. <laughs> 
A strongly worded letter from the Great Dayton Association of Southern Baptists was sent to the executives of the Dayton Press. But the Dayton Press enjoyed the money that Hustler was bringing in. I mean, the ladies' home journal wasn't exactly doing well at this point. Right. People were buying Hustler. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, okay. Is there any pussy in ladies' home journal? <laughs> I don't think so. Is there a pussy un- under a doily? I don't think so. <laughs> At that time, Hustler was the fastest-growing magazine. Althea and Larry then moved into a mansion in a ritzy neighborhood in Columbus. And, of course, the residents of the neighborhood were not happy about that. Like, how dare this trash move into our neighborhood? And plus, Larry was not in the same class as they were. Mm. Like, he was new money. Not only was he new money, but he was new money from this filthy magazine. Right. So they were, like, very rude to him in this neighborhood. He didn't make it respectably, like, selling, like, you know, war stuff. Right. (laughs) That's how much I know. He wasn't respectably ripping people off of their life savings. Yeah. (laughs) People are so dumb. Okay. Well, the thing I love about Larry Flint is, like, one of his other missions is sort of, like, pulling down the curtain and just, like, shining a glaring light. Exposing these hypocrites. These total hypocrites. And we'll see that more in part two. This is a quote from the book about the house that they bought. When I bought it, the mansion had six bedrooms, a library, a projection room, a wine cellar, two basement recreation rooms, and a huge party room complete with a waterfall and koi pond. I renovated everything, added a sauna and steam room, remodeled the bathrooms, and installed a heart-shaped tub for two in the master suite. (laughs) Fancy. That's something that would have impressed me as a child. Oh, totally. (laughs) I really liked those cheesy, like, red hot tubs that were heart-shaped. Yes. I thought those were so fancy. There was a resort by me where I, when I grew up in New York, uh, and there was, um, they always it was called beautiful mount airy lodge or maybe it was just mount airy lodge <laughs> and then beautiful was you part of the theme song <laughs> but they had a champagne hot tub so it was Ooh. on a stem like it was like a stem Wait. with a champagne what? and there would always be two two like a couple in their clinking glasses and like a bubble bath and i was like i have got to go to beautiful mount airy lodge <laughs> When I grow up. That's so fancy. It's the fanciest thing I've ever, ever like, it's so romantic. <laughs> With the jets going. With the jets going. Beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. That was the theme. Okay, Thank we're going to look that up later. Okay. It's great. Uh, is it still there? <laughs> no, I want to hear the theme song. Okay. okay. I'm telling you. That's like, I told you about Windsor Waterworks before. I can't remember. I think I said on the show. That was like my favorite uh, local theme song for Windsor Waterworks. You're gonna get wet. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it went. Anyone who grew up in the Bay Area knows the Windsor Waterworks theme song. You're gonna get wet? Yeah. Oh boy. Wet, 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 wet. Because then then it like trailed off at the end. Yeah. It was good. That's amazing. It was my favorite. Uh, Okay, a heart-shaped tub for two in the master suite. I replaced all the windows with bulletproof glass. In the basement, I built a faux hillbilly cabin, complete with (laughs) a three-foot replica of the chicken I had violated in my youth. No. Who said I'm not sentimental? What? Of course he did. A (laughs) three-foot? Uh, that is commitment to be like I'm. I'm gonna like someone. He probably someone suggested it to him drunk at a bar probably right. one night. I'm just speculating. And then he actually went went ahead. I and like did that it. he like did it to scale. Like well, this is how big the dick chicken comparison is now. Because <laughs> when I was a kid doing, it. but now it's three feet. Yeah, it's a big chicken. So it's not as bad. <laughs> Larry says in his book that while his days of breaking up bar fights were over, new problems were cropping up. Mm -hmm. Legal battles. And that is what we will get into in part two of Larry Flint. And that'll definitely be a longer episode because there is a lot to talk about. I'm excited. I just felt like this was a good place to stop before shit hit the fan. Oh my God. I would love to go to his house. Does it still exist? I feel like if he oh, had no, that... Oh, no, no, ha- This house in Dayton, or in uh, well, Marriott... Wait, no. Oh. Columbus. It was in Columbus, I think. Right. It was in, like, a ritzy neighborhood in Columbus. Anyway, this house, he doesn't live there. He hasn't lived there in okay. decades. I mean, that's the type of house, like, you can imagine going up for sale now and not being touched. 
Oh, like it I still love. looks exactly like. Have you ever oh, seen houses like that go up on ones. market and you're like, they have not redesigned since like 1974. And whenever people redesign them, I'm heartbroken. Why I would saw you some do house that? recently in Palm Springs. Did you see that? I've people seen... were kind of sharing it, and it was literally like untouched from oh, 1968. I've seen that one. And the tackiest but most amazing Palm Springs decor. That's where decor. I want us to live, Desi. Yeah. No. It was like mid-century, but not like what you see now where everyone buys like the sleek Danish modern it was like gaudy like I want that that's, wallpaper. But that's my taste <laughs> me too I that's love it that's my taste I love it I love where the room is all red right. it's just it's just like different colors and textures of red and it's like red flocked wallpaper like I need flocked wallpaper in right. my fucking house at some right. point where it kind of looks where. like brocade or something yes but it has the um velvety texture yeah right yeah love no, it no I love it I love those tacky ass late 60s <gasps> style too. Me too. Houses, and I really want to live in one of those with you when we're rich. Okay. When we after the pasta tour of Italy, we'll come back. We'll get one of our those. Our podcast studio can be that. It will be our yes. podcast studio, yes. and we'll have my clown room. No one has okay. to go in it except me. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. What was I going to say? No, Larry lives in Beverly Hills, right? And his offices. He has that giant tower in Beverly Hills. Yes, Flint. I passed it. I had brunch with him once. You did? I did when I was 22. Not with him. He was just sitting at the table next to me. Okay. And let me tell you, I was fucking starstruck. Uh, me too. I would be starstruck. I I was sandwiched. My table was sandwiched in between him and Russell Simmons. And it was wow. like the most Beverly Hills experience of my yes. life. It was so over the top. But I was, I was absolutely starstruck. He was there in his gold wheelchair. Nice. Eating his brunch. Like I... I really want to meet him one Me day, too. honestly. We should have him on the show. I would. That's like a dream. If he would come on our show and just talk. I think he would. You think he would come on our <laughs> that's show? That's how charming I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I just need one minute with him. Right. Hey, Larry. Hey. <laughs> okay. Any I don't other, know. Any other? Uh, um, I don't what? think so, but we would love to get more iTunes reviews. So if you'd like to help us out we that way. We have to send out a book, Desi. We promised we would send that book out. And so we let's do this one last week. Write us a review and we'll pick the winner next week and you'll get the um, Black Dahlia book. I think it's called Severed. It's a really cool book. So yeah, this is the last week of that contest. Write <laughs> us a sure. review. We're serious. Uh, <laughs> you can yell at us on social media <laughs> if we fuck up again. But yeah, write us a review. So we'll pick our favorite written review. But if you don't feel like writing a review, you can just leave five stars. Yeah. That's easy. Totally. Um, and that really helps us. Absolutely. So that would be awesome. And check out our Facebook group. There's a lot of fun people there. And we keep it real. <laughs> We do. All social media you can follow us on. We post pictures and Instagram, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Hollywood crime scene. So yeah, I think that's it. All right. Awesome. Bye. Bye.